Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Any natural or or even manufactured objects that become a major focus in our lives, commanding and taking our attention, taking our devotion away from our devotion to the Lord. Nature itself, uh, creation itself, anything receiving worship other than the one true God. The Apostle Paul warned about this in Romans chapter one, how easily man turns to idolatry, worshiping the creation more than the creator. As Pastor David continues his teaching series through the book of Acts, he'll be exhorting you to remove anything from your life that's robbing your devotion away from the one true God. Idolatry was the main sin that caused the children of Israel severe pain and chastisement. When you worship someone or something else over God, it leads you down a destructive path of all sorts of wickedness. You can even make your career or even your family idols. God needs to have the first place in your heart and life. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he continues his message, Growing Pains. These were Pharisees who had come to accept the teachings of Christ. Some of the Pharisees, the sect of the Pharisees who believed, rose up and they said, it is necessary to circumcise these Gentile believers and to command them to keep the law of Moses. That whole issue of circumcision, guys, that was bad enough, but on top of that, they wanted these Gentiles to come under the same yoke of the burden that they themselves still remained in. They were free in Christ, and yet they kept themselves under the burden of the law of Judaism. And again, they wanted them, they commanded actually, that they would keep the whole law of Moses. Later on, Paul had some very, very strong words writing to the Gentile church up in Galatia that was made up of, yes, Gentiles and some Jews. But again, this whole issue of trying to hold on to the Mosaic law and still walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. He writes to the church of Galatia in Galatians 5. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, I say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Guys, that's a powerful, powerful message. And what he's saying, if you're trying to please God 
by working these rituals or these ceremonies, this work of the law, then beloved, you're, you're totally missing the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not come in order that we would keep the law. Jesus Christ came, he kept the law for us because we could not keep the law in order that we might through faith receive his completed work. Again, it needed to be settled, it needed to be settled once for all. Once for all. Do we need to keep the law or are we free from the law? Look at Acts 15, verse 6. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when they had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, I wonder how much dispute there was, how long? I mean, are we talking a couple of hours? Are we talking a couple of days? Are we talking weeks, months? We really don't know. It says, after there had been much dispute, finally Peter rises up and says to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us, the Jews, and them, the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore... Why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Peter reminded them of the work of God that had taken place in Samaria. He reminded them of the work of God that had taken place there at Cornelius' house. Remember Cornelius, the Roman centurion? Again, a guy, yes, he loved God, but he was not a Jew. And God worked and moved in this Gentile's house in a powerful way. Not because they were keeping the law, but again, by faith in the completed work of Christ. Every Jewish believer that was present that day when Peter was talking, including these Judaizers, every one of them knew that the keeping of the whole law was an absolute exercise in futility. They would never be able to do that. To be able to walk perfectly every day, continually, all day. They knew they couldn't do that. And that's why Peter says, why are you putting a burden on them that we ourselves couldn't even keep ourselves? They would have been under a continual guilt trip and probably in the, sense, in the midst of that guilt trip, literally pulling away from fellowship with God because of their guilt, because of their shame, because they felt that they just could not measure up. Let me give you an announcement this morning. Get ready to write this down. It might be the most important thing you hear this morning. You cannot, you will not, you will never measure up. You can't. We cannot. Because where's the measurement? The holiness and the righteousness and the perfection of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's why this whole thing of why would you then put yourself under the law that you could never keep anyway? Peter asked a pretty straightforward, he asked that candid question again. Why do we test God? Why do we uh, put this, try to put this yoke on their neck that neither our fathers nor, nor even us, we could bear? In essence, Peter was telling them, you and I were raised under these laws and we can't keep them. 
Why are you going to try and burden down these actually who, have, who were never raised under the law? You're testing the grace of God. You're testing his work of grace with the Gentiles who have come by faith to receive him. Peter reminds him, man, that's the only way that we came. We didn't get here, even as, Jew, even as Jews, we didn't get here in our salvation because we were so good in keeping the law. We came here by faith, and that's the same way that these Gentiles are coming. As Peter finished, the multitude was pretty much understandably silent. Verse 12 says, the multitude kept silent, and they listened then to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Again, Barnabas and Paul sharing about this first missionary journey, how God had ministered and touched the hearts of so many Gentiles during that time. And once again, the crowd fell silent. Personally, I think that there was a whole lot of pondering and, and praying that was going on at this point in time, trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what direction should we really go? The church was pretty much at, 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 at a very serious point in the future of the church? Do we keep trying to press the law or do we understand that no, it is fully by the grace of God that we're saved. When a young teenager begins to grow, sometimes their, their bodies grow faster than, than their coordination. You, you, some of you have seen that. Uh, uh, a, a young person who at one point in time was very agile and perhaps very skilled in sports, suddenly their body starts growing and, and they can't do a thing with it. It's just everywhere and they're tripping over their own feet. I speak of experience of our own son that, man, there was a time in his life it seemed like he grew nearly a foot in one year and he just seemed to be the most uncoordinated thing that God ever created on his earth. And yet he grew out of that. Well, right now, the church was growing in such a powerful, such a strong, and such a great way that suddenly this awkwardness has come in, this, 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 this thing of not being able to do anything right. This change was taking place, and there was a lot, a lot of those that were in the church that didn't want the change to take place, and they did not want to accept that change. But when Paul and Barnabas finished, once again, the crowd was silent, and now James, the half-brother of Jesus, comes with a final judgment on the matter. Verse 13, and after they had become silent, James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it's written. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all of these things. And then James continues on. Look at verse 18. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. 
We find out that this statement, it, it pleased the whole church at this point in time. It's interesting, out of these four suggestions or directions, he includes, again, this admonitions for these Gentiles actually to be in obedience to some of the, uh, at, at least the, the directives of and the heart of the Old Testament commands. The first two, according to the Old Testament law found in Leviticus, these things are logical, they're very reasonable. He says, don't be partakers of anything dealing with idolatry, and secondly, you need to abstain from any and all sexual sin. These aren't issues that were particular to the Gentiles. These are things that, again, even even to the Jews and even to today, we still have these same issues even within the church today. These kinds of issues, idolatry, and sexual immorality, they will impact your life, they will make you ineffective in your Christian walk, and again, there will be this continual falling away from obedience to Christ when we allow these things into our lives. You need to understand, the Gentile world was pagan, by and large. Uh, Some of them uh, had, yeah, they had left their pagan gods and they sought after the God of Israel even before coming to salvation. But yet, still at the same time, idol worship was still a major portion of the culture in which they lived. It was everywhere. In a very simple sense, just an idea of what idolatry is, idolatry is anything that can or does come between our full commitment to Jesus Christ. You need to understand that even today, idolatry can take many forms men or or man-made images or representations that that are worshiped as deities. Yes, throughout the world today, men are doing that very same thing. It was definitely a part of the Roman culture. You couldn't go into a major Roman city without seeing all of these statues. The Caesar, the ruler himself, was again worshiped as a deity. Any natural or, or even manufactured objects that become a major focus in our lives commanding and taking our attention, taking our devotion away from our devotion to the Lord. Nature itself, uh, creation itself, anything receiving worship other than the one true God. The Apostle Paul warned about this in Romans chapter one, how easily man turns to idolatry, worshiping the creation more than the creator. And Paul says because they've done that, God has also given them up to uncleanness and in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Those who have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore, amen. Paul knew that the beginning of this idol worship ends up actually in this whole idea even of sexual immorality. And it does not have to be some little statue of some pagan god no doesn't have to be a superstitious ritual that that we're performing guys sometimes our jobs our very pursuit of of wealth or even comfort becomes an idol in our own minds our search for fame or recognition, yeah, that can become an idol. As a matter of fact, as I've shared with you before, we've got a major television program, American Idol. Well, I actually kind of like some of that stuff, but that whole mindset, that idea there, American Idol, drawing us uh, such major focus. Guys, even our love and our attraction for one another 
If it comes between your commitment to Christ, then he or she has become an idol in your life. Likewise, we look at the, uh, the, 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 the lifestyle and the culture of the pagan world, and we see in that pagan world, particularly in the first century, but even today we can see it, tremendous amount of ongoing and open sexual immorality. For the Gentile convert to, to purposefully restrain himself from having to do anything with all of these idols, that was a major life changer. But then also to purposefully restrain from sexual immorality. That again, very likely a very busy part, a very important part, a very active part in his life before they come to Christ. Again, as a matter of fact, much of even the pagan worship that was going on during that time involved actual acts of sexual immorality. The Greeks had literally worshipped the concept of the human body and sexual immorality saturated that culture. And as the Romans adapted much of the Greek culture, sexual immorality became the norm rather than the exclusion. And we see that today in nearly every layer of our own current society. We began worshiping the body, we began the, the, the activities of sexual immorality that pretty soon becomes norm. Living together without being married, having several partners in, in, in and throughout life becomes the norm rather than the exclusion or the exception. Later on, Paul would write in many of his letters, again, the danger of sexual immorality, speaking about the reality that your body is not your own. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The message that James here gives to the Gentile church of the first century, as well as the same message that Paul and Peter and, and James and John write in their letters to the churches are just as important and needful today as they were in the first century. Stay away from anything that comes between you and your complete and faithful worship of the one true God and flee sexual immorality. And so as I said, these first two, those are just logical. Those are very reasonable. We see, we can understand those. But what about those other two, the strangling and the staying from blood? Wouldn't that be pretty much just kind of a cultural choice? Well, I, I, I want to be brief, but I want to cover it here this morning. This whole idea of strangling and not taking the blood. You need to understand that the blood is precious in the sight, in the eyes of God. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The word of God says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. The Jews were told, man, don't eat an animal that was simply strangled. But when you go to kill an animal, you need to let out the blood and then you can eat because the blood had a special part and again, the picture and the shadow of what Christ was going to fulfill for us as he was on the cross. And as you read the gospel messages, you understand how much the blood of Christ is so important for us. As you read the epistles and the writings of Paul, we read about the shedding of the blood of Christ, that cleansing power of the blood. Abstain from eating or drinking of the blood. And again, very powerful. Again, I believe 
for the, the significance of being a shadow of what God was wanting to do within, again, the whole message of salvation. Drop down to verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. So they're going to send these guys from Jerusalem back up to Antioch. And they wrote this letter to them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are, at, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such command, it seems good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved uh, uh, Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sending along with him Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. To, again, abstain from idol worship, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well, farewell. And so they were sent off. And they came to Antioch, the church there, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter, and when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, they exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a while, they were sent back, went back to Jerusalem with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Guys, if there's anything I want you to take home from this today, as Jake and the team come up, is the reality and the fact that even today, yes, we can put burden and law on ourselves and or on others. You can't really be a Christian unless you're doing the exact same things that I'm doing. Unless you are as, as, as involved and as active, uh, you can't really truly be a believer. Be careful that we don't put a law or a burden on someone else that God has never placed on us. Also the reality, yes, idol worship, anything that gets in our lives that, that keeps us from our full commitment to Jesus Christ. Oh, I would love to serve the Lord, Lord with a whole heart, but this gets in the way, but this gets in the way. Are those things stumbling blocks or are they idols in your life? And the whole idea of sexual immorality, the world today is so filled with that. Everything from pornography to, again, uh, uh, illicit, in, incorrect relationships with others. Everything from adultery and fornication to even letting the mind go. Jesus says, even if your mind has gone that way, man, you're committing those things. And it impacts your life. It impacts your relationship with others. It impacts your fellowship with God. It impacts the move of the Holy Spirit, freedom within your life. Guard your life. And guys, remember how precious the blood of Jesus Christ is for the covering, for the washing away, for the payment of our sin. If you don't know that payment in your life, today would be a great day for you to come and just say, you know what? I don't know that my sin is forgiven, but I want it to be forgiven. 
I want to come and give my life to Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.